This is an RNZ podcast. They say it takes a village to raise a child. I'm Catherine Ryan, and here we draw on my conversations with experts on Nine to Noon to help you navigate family life. Sleep is difficult for many people lots of the time, but it can be even greater challenge in pregnancy. Our guests have written a book, Sleeping Better in Pregnancy, A Guide to Sleep Health for New Zealand Women, which is the latest research from NASA University's internationally renowned Sleep-Wake Research Centre. It's a trimester-by-trimester guide to managing expectations about sleep and a toolkit for getting a good night's rest. Associate Professor at the Sleep-Wake Research Centre is Lee Signal, who's co-authored the book. Good morning, Lee. Morena, Catherine. Along with PhD student Claire Ladyman, who first came up with the idea for the book. Morning, Claire. Hi, Catherine. I'll get you both just to pop in as you choose as we work through this. Um, Lee, I might start with you, though. On what is the larger programme of work that you've been doing leading up to this particular initiative? Yeah, um, this work's been going on now for coming up nearly a decade. And, and what we're really interested in is um, better understanding sleep right across the perinatal time frame, um, understanding what's what's normal, um, and then when does it shift into um, times when we'd be more concerned, um, and better understanding what some of the, the health outcomes might be for, for women and children. Um, some of the other work that we've been doing has been looking at, for example, sleep quality um, in pregnancy and showing that there's a relationship with um, the, the risk of needing an emergency, emergency caesarean section, uh, that increases the, risk, the likelihood twofold. Um, and, and symptoms of a respiratory sleep disorder known as sleep apnea also increase um, the likelihood of a woman needing an emergency caesarean section. And so Claire's work fits into, into that broader um, framework where she's particularly interested in sleep and its relationship to mental health um, we know that in, in non-pregnant populations, the two are really tightly linked. Um, people who experience problems with sleep are more likely to develop um, mental health issues. And we also know that people who have mental health problems are very likely to have problems with their sleep as well. And so this creates a, a bit of a vicious cycle um, with the two going round in circles. And, and we know that in pregnancy... Um, when we get to that time frame, um, sleep does change for many women. Um, and, and we also know it's a time when, when women can experience um, more challenges with their, with their mental health. So this book was really part of Claire's fantastic work where we were trying to give women really good, factual, simple, accurate information about what to expect when they are pregnant. Lee, just before I come to Claire, what are the factors in play? Obviously, physically, there is so much going on in the body um, and there are physical discomforts and there are also just the physical discomforts when you're trying to sleep. We'll talk more about some of the practical advice on that in a moment. But what else is happening, say, to the circadian rhythm? What else is happening in the body that makes it even more difficult than usual? Yeah, I think, you know, Science in this area is actually really quite new and it's a really exciting area to be working in right now. Um, and so as you mentioned, there are there are physiological things that are going on. There are massive changes in the hormones that women um, are producing to support um, this, the pregnancy and they have um, implications for their, for their sleep. 
Um, and then there is, yes, the growing baby that, that creates discomfort, particularly um, to the end of the second and, and then the third trimester. I mean, there's some really new um, and interesting work that's showing that the timing of our circadian clock actually is also altered with the onset of pregnancy. Um, and that may be linked for some women to some of the, the, the health outcomes that occur for a small proportion of our population in pregnancy. But it's a really new and interesting area. Um, and, and I think just what we're trying to do is, is help women understand and normalise um, some of the things that are happening to their bodies, particularly around their sleep, at this really important time in their lives. Claire, can you tell us more about the work you were doing that prompted the idea of a book? What were you hearing from expectant women? It's an old-fashioned phrase, isn't it, from pregnant women? <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess what, uh, what prompted the study in the first place is, the, is really the lack of information out there. There's so much um, sort of focus on um, women after they've had the baby, um, and, and, and talking about sleep and strategies for sleep um, after the baby arrives. But really, in pregnancy, there wasn't, there's not a huge amount for women to, um, to find. Um, so I think what Lee was saying is giving them the most up-to-date information we can and, and seeing if um, just ha- having that information can help normalise and um, create re- sort of realistic expectations about what sort of sleep that they, they they could achieve in pregnancy. We've spoken to you previously, actually, about women who had experienced depression. Uh, and remind us of that study. Yeah. So, um, it, uh, gosh, about um, 2017, we, we did this study. And um, so we looked at 15 women who had previously had um, depression before. And we know that they're at um, a much higher risk of experiencing depression again in pregnancy if they've had that history. Um, it was their first pregnancy um, and we started out with them really early in their pregnancy, so right back in their first trimester and we followed them right through each trimester and spent um, time with them in each trimester explaining how sleep works and, and what change, what sleep changes they could expect in pregnancy and then um, giving them some individual strategies around what they could do to improve their sleep. And we did that, you know, on a one-on-one uh, face-to-face basis. So we made it really personalised. Um, yeah, so that, that's, um, that was the study that, that we found. And we had some really amazing results. So women that, um, that, like I said, that have experienced depression before had a much higher chance of experiencing it again. And um, although we can't sort of make definitive um, conclusions about the study um, all of those women um, were able to get to the end of the third trimester um, not experiencing depressive symptoms so um, whether they were able to um, and we did find some we did find some in, um, some um, really good improvements to their sleep um, but there may have been some other things about knowing just knowing about their sleep gave them some reassurance um, so yeah, we had some really good results from the study. So um, I think um, the, the 
um, possibility of you know sleep education really helping women in this life stage is is really um, promising. Well, let's talk about it. You organise it trimester by trimester, but one of the points you make is that you want to get started early to catch mm. and try and sort a sleep pattern uh, early, um, if there's any such thing. Yeah. And, and so, could we sort of do it chronologically first and just give us an overview of of what might be most pertinent um, in each trimester and then we'll come and zero in yeah, a bit yeah. more. Absolutely. I think, and I think that's really important because I think, you know, a lot of women maybe think that their sleep will change maybe in the third trimester because of those physiological um, sort of um, just part of being pregnancy, you know, having a larger uh, a belly because, you know, their baby's growing and, and feeling the baby move is going to um is going to alter their sleep, but we find that right back in the beginning, that the massive changes to hormones, which Lee was talking about, um, you know, even like uh, progesterone, uh, you know, the enormous surge that they have in that first trimester, and progesterone is a um, is a soporific hormone, so it's a sleepy hormone. So if you imagine, you know, a huge surge of those hormones in your body, it's only natural that that makes you feel sleepy and tired. Um, and the same with oestrogen. There's a lot of researchers that think that oestrogen is based uh, or is linked to morning sickness, and, and that makes women feel incredibly fatigued and tired. So, you know, you put those just those two things together at the beginning of pregnancy, and you can understand why, you know, sleep might change, that they might just feel, you know, that overwhelming sense of tiredness. Um, you know, going to the toilet, you know, um, three, four times a night is really common in that first sort of period of pregnancy. So, you know, all of those things in that early in that early stage. And I think that's why it's important to catch it early. If people, if women can know that those sorts of things um, are happening and it's normal, then it's not so much that they have to um, worry about it. It's, you know, they can go, okay, this is okay. Um, you know, this is just a natural part of pregnancy. Accepting um, that I is a big thing, isn't it, with any sleep problem? It, yeah, uh, accepting. It, yeah. So in that first trimester, yeah, you, you talk about the elements of sleep, which is sleep quantity, how much sleep quality, which is how restorative oh. it is, and sleep timing. Oh. And in the first oh. trimester, what's some of the broad advice you can give women to make sure they're getting enough of each of these? Like, what practically can you attempt anyway? Yeah. So I think um, a lot of the stuff that we we talk about um, in, in the in the centre more broadly as well is about sleep opportunities. So um, you know we talk about you know our nighttime sleep um, being the, the the prime time when our body is sort of programmed for sleep. But sometimes in pregnancy, if you're having disruptive periods during that time, looking for other sleep opportunities. So um, is there an opportunity to have a daytime nap? Um, and or is there is there you know maybe not going to bed too early because that's that can be sometimes counterintuitive as well. But is there times that you can spend longer periods in bed to to have that um, longer duration of sleep um, and and quality as well. You know just simple things like um, you know keeping up your fluid intake during the day, but maybe not, um, you know, not having too much to drink in that hour or two before bedtime or, um, yeah, just looking for different strategies in making your bed more comfortable. Um, yeah, because we know that light is really affected, really affects your sleep. So things like keeping the, the lighting down in the evening periods, 
Um, you're only using um, uh, little night lights when you need to get up to go to the toilet so that you um, your body isn't um, experiencing a big surge in light in the middle of the night, which can sometimes make it more difficult to go back to sleep. Just things like that. There's lots of, and that's what we tried to do in the book. You know, using lots and lots of different strategies so that you can, so women can choose their own um, ideas that work for them. Physical exercise again as pregnancy advances. It's always got to be appropriate, obviously. Um, but um, it, it, it helps as it does with anyone. It, it, and you, you don't necessarily feel like it, but it does help with trying to improve um, sleep patterns. So, oh, sorry, I missed that one. Phys- physical exercise. Phys- the physical exercise. Yeah, physical exercise. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep, uh, and re- and and lo- and things like um, very um, gentle exercises like yoga, walking, um, Pilates, any kind of water-based um, exercise um, can be really, really helpful. Um, and and exercise has been known to um, to be really helpful for any mental health issues as well. So I guess it's got a bit of a, you know, um, a, a double effect there that it really can help women in the throughout pregnancy. Can we talk about sleeping positions in the different trimesters? Because there's a lot going on here. There's the sleep positions that might be most comfortable, but also, as Lee alluded to earlier, there is advice for other reasons on on, um, certain sleep positions at certain stages of pregnancy. Um, Which of you, or, or either of you, I don't mind, can we talk about advice on how to use pillows, but also sleep position? Um, yes, yeah, so, uh, there was a there was a fairly um, recent um, uh, study put out by the University of Auckland that looked at the meta-analysis on sleep position, and they did find that although it's um, a fairly new area of um, of study looking at sleep position and its relationship to stillbirth, they did find that sleeping on this on women's side is, um, does decrease um, the chances of having a stillbirth. Um, Particularly so, in the third trimester, um, I think, wasn't it? Particularly in the uh, third from trimester. 20, 20, yeah, 28, from about 28 weeks yeah. is, is the recommendation. So late in that second trimester. What we do say is, and in the book as well, that sometimes if you're not used to sleeping on your side, that sometimes using that first trimester is actually a really good um, training opportunity to... Um, start practicing sleeping on your side Um, but I think the really important part about it is if women wake up on their backs not to panic it's really natural to move during sleep Um, and it's and what the what the study from Auckland found is it's the going to sleep position um, is on your side is is most important so that's the that's the position that you'll spend most of your time asleep in um, is your going to sleep position so if you wake up on your back it's not a. It, it's not an. Um, you don't necessarily need to panic. It's. Um, you just need to roll back onto your side and, and and head back to sleep if you can. And you can do things like you were talking about with with cushions and pillows. Is um, just maybe having a, a pillow behind your back, so that you're you're not able to move to to um, to flip onto your back while you're sleeping. Um, and in that last trimester as well, if you do find yourself lying on your back, you probably haven't been there for a huge amount of time because there's you, your body is not is not going to be comfortable in that position. So, um, yeah, that's that's sort of the recommendations to date on those. 
things like reflux, unfortunately, can accompany um, can accompany pregnancy as well. Um, you also deal with um, breathing and changes to breathing. Could you elaborate a little bit more? Yeah, so there's um, certainly um, hormones that get produced in pregnancy, things like relaxin, um, which obviously helps the uterus expand for the for the growing baby, but it also um, does make ligaments and uh, and um, tendons and things like that a little bit more loose, and that can have a an effect on your you know your your breathing muscles as well. So the the throat muscles, which um, is what they think is a, is is the cause of um, an increase in snoring in pregnancy. Um, so yes, we do find um, that there has been, and Lee has done some really. Um, good studies on uh, increasing snoring so I might, uh, it might be better to maybe um, Lee. talk to her about that one I, I just the work that I mentioned earlier so we've been really interested in understanding um, what some of those symptoms um, of respiratory sleep disturbances so the snoring and um, some women sometimes report that they might have or their partner reports that they have breathing pauses during sleep um, and, and so we've shown that you know that can increase the likelihood of you having an emergency cesarean section. I think the important thing to remember is that um, if you're worried about those sorts of things, to have a chat with your midwife or lead maternity carer. Um, and for some women, there might be simple things that they can do, such as um, sleeping with, with pillows to slightly raise their head will, will improve things like reflux and might help with... Um, breathing in, in sleep but if you are concerned do have a chat to your um, lead maternity carer um, and sometimes these things that also they, they can be quite temporary during pregnancy um, and things can change quite rapidly and I think that the book talks about that and tries to help you understand that those those changes are, are a normal part of this process and, and the times when you should reach out and talk to somebody else um, about what's going on and they can perhaps provide you with some more advice. Restless leg syndrome and leg cramps, just to add to the fun, <laughs> the second trimester <laughs> and into third trimester. Again, this is something that many women will experience. Yeah, um, it sure absolutely. Uh, yeah. Sorry, Lee. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say absolutely. 80% I mean, I, of women will... Ex- <laughs> All right, I'm going to pick one. Lee, you Sorry. go. <laughs> Who needs to deal with the kids? <laughs> the other one, go. <laughs> Lee, go. So about 30% of women will experience um, leg cramps and, and um, restless leg syndrome in, in pregnancy. Um, so it is, a, it, it is quite an increase from the normal population. Um, so normally around sort of 5 to 10% will experience those. So it is quite... We, there's not a... Um, a, a, a massive understanding about why that increases um, so so much in pregnancy, um, but yeah, we do cover in the book some different strategies around um, yeah trying to um, alleviate those as much as possible. What as well. uh, what underpins all this in some ways, <clears throat> and I think this is the beauty of the book is. And it's so hard, isn't it, when you're sleep deprived? It's the last time you can be logical and tolerant of what's happening to you. But but just knowledge and anticipation of things, not being surprised by things, 
and just a level of acceptance because a, a lot of this is about trying to avoid that vicious cycle where the mind's going a million miles an hour and that just exacerbates the problem. And I notice you've got just, we mentioned the exercise, but as for anyone just using some basic relaxation techniques, some mindfulness techniques, just trying to um, to slow the busy mind and, and find a level of acceptance, would that be fair? Yeah, I think absolutely. Um, and I think that's a, a big reason why the, the study that we did was successful. I think there is just that level of acceptance that, um, you know, that your sleep may change. It may not, um, and that's okay as well. And But if some changes do happen, it's, it's okay, it's normal. Um, try some different strategies, um, try some different ideas. Um, it might work for maybe... A trimester and it, it might not work the next trimester but there's some different things that you might be able to try um, in the in the in the following weeks so I guess that was why we did that trimester to trimester sort of sections in the book that you know you can try things um, as, as they come up Wonderful. I'm sure it will be very, very welcomed by many people. Thanks, both of you, for it. Our guests are Claire Ladyman, a PhD student and Associate Professor at the Sleep-Wake Research Centre, Lee Signal, who uh, has also uh, helped uh, author this book, Sleeping Better in Pregnancy It Is, and it is published by Massey University Press.